I'm Vinny. And I'm Drake. And welcome to Backstage Biddies, a podcast where two theater nerds discuss our love, and sometimes hate, of movie musicals. From Golden Age, to Disney, to Contemporary, we'll recap and review all things movie musical. Join us as we scrutinize Hollywood casting, dive into the history of all your faves, and gossip about controversies of the stage and screen. Press play and sing along, because this this is Backstage Backstage Biddies. So I was watching Maud the other day at work because there are episodes of Maud on YouTube now. Maud! Which I love. Then there's Maud. I love that show. Love Bea Arthur. I still haven't seen it. And I. Oh, it's great. You I love want, it. I want to see it so bad. It's very up your alley. You're going to really like it. Yeah. So there's a maid in the show, right? Okay. Maud is like this upper class wife. So they have the money to hire a maid. And they're doing interviews and they hire a maid. And in walks, you'll never fucking guess. It's Hermione Badgley. Thought you were going to say Hermione Granger, and I was like, that is not the right No, no, it's Hermione Badgley from Mary Poppins and Happiest Millionaire, playing another maid. Listen, Mama made her bag based off of of being a maid. Listen, she had a character type, and she followed through. She was like, I'm going to show up for these things. They're like, well, except Happiest Millionaire. They're going to be really great and, like, famous. I'm not going to have to do hardly any work for this shit. And I'm going to get some money. She shows up to maid auditions. And you know what she says to everybody else? The position has Has been been filled. (laughs) And then everyone else leaves because she's been hired. Well, duh. (laughs) She is the maid. She really is. Oh, I love it. And she plays the same, like, it's the same type. It's great. Can you imagine, though? Like, think about it this way. Think of it being, like, it's actually just the same person that's landed in all of these, like, random-ass situations. A maid multiverse. (laughs) Have you heard Doctor Who's coming back? Yeah! They're doing a new season, and David Tennant's going to be the 14th Doctor, even though he was already the 10th? 9th? 10th? Something like that. I No, I saw it, because I, um... So, I'm not... I don't really Doctor Who, you know... You shouldn't start. It's a I, bottomless pit no, of content, and, that's and why, you'll never get out. <laughs> and that's that's why I won't because I, I it has crippled me permanently. <laughs> yeah, um, I've I've definitely watched some episodes. I definitely like know some of the some of the inside jokes. And yeah, jokes and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like you like, get the pop like, references when they're made, right? But, like moisturize me, you know, yeah, like yeah, different yeah. stuff like that. I saw like the clip of the transformation. Oh, I haven't back. watched it yet because I I'm not brave enough. It popped up on my TikTok, and I was sure. like, oh, he's back? Like, literally, I'm one of those people who's, I'm like, oh, that's nice, kids. Like, as far <laughs> as, like, certain fandoms go, I'm like, sure. oh, isn't that cool? And, like, people talk to me about things like it's gossip. Like, right now, my sister is watching all of Game of Thrones. Oh, okay. And so, and I've never watched it. It's not my gig and gag. There's just too much to it as far as, like... No, me too. Too many characters. The revolving door moves too quickly for me. So Alexis will come out and be like, so here's the tea. And tell me what the few episodes that she's watched has been. Sure. There's nothing like someone giving me gossip, but it's just a TV show. Yeah. 
Because she did that with Euphoria. I was like, I'm too sensitive. I'm too delicate. I can't watch that. I, I tried Euphoria, hear... and it wasn't for me. I was like, I want to hear all about it. Tell yeah, yeah. me well, everything. Well, because it satisfies the need for gossip without doing any real-world damage. Oh, let me tell you. You it's know what a, I mean? It's the same way, like, if you treat history like gossip. Oh, absolutely. Listen. It's why Six the Musical is so fucking popular, because people are like, have you heard about this dick? This absolute a-hole with all of these wives. Let me give you some good pop tunes and some rad-ass girlies to tell you all about it. Exactly. <laughs> um, so I saw that and I was like, holy shit. And then, oh, I'm going to forget his name. Um, he's in the same, the the Omens, I think, with David Tennant. Oh, oh, or, yeah, the other guy. Oh, what's his name? Oh, I don't remember his name. You know, I like I'm him though. About. He's a great actor. I love yes, him. Yes, yes, yes. So they're like best friends. Besties. Yeah. And he was like, I was this person and I, in all of these films. And he was like, I was in Harry Potter. He's like, for like one scene, he's like, I was Doctor Who. And he's like, not anymore, baby. Oh, I've seen this clip. So, so <laughs> they, well, <laughs> but here's the thing though, is that they recently did another like. Like, I don't know what it is. I don't know if they have a podcast together or what it is, but Mm -hmm. they did another thing and they brought that back. Yeah. And he was like, guess what, fucker? I'm Doctor (laughs) Who again. And they like put the clip together. Oh, how funny. It was very funny. I was like, oh, look at that. That's good for them. Good for them. Yeah. Wild. Wild time. Have you heard they're doing a Supernatural prequel series now too? I'm tired. I am too. Supernatural went on way too long and now we're getting prequel stuff. Guys. Yeah. I didn't watch any of it. I watched until like season nine. Yeah. There's just, there's a lot there. I know that there's, they're brothers and I know that they do the circle of salt thing because I see those memes all the time of like, why don't they just put salt in hula hoops and just hula hoop into. Well, why don't you? I don't, I I mean, mean, I don't know. I don't watch a show. So like, they should try that. Yeah. In the prequel. Simple problems, simple solutions. How long? That's what it's all about. Yeah. I don't know if I'll watch the prequel. I wasn't a huge Supernatural fan all the way to the end when it got all like, God and Angel War-y. I kind of tapped out. I'm a really big fan of like Monsters of the Week show. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I love a good like... Is it is it your Scooby Doo childhood coming through? I think through? so. I think it's yeah, the Scooby Doo in me, and I do love. I always appreciate a good like season long arc or like Scooby Doo Monsters Incorporated, where they had like actual character development. Like I like that. Right. I'm not against that, but if I don't have like a good Monster of the Week episode, maybe every other week, I'm probably not interested. It's why I haven't finished X Files. Because it's too much. Too much plot. It's too too much. much. It's too much. I love a little character development, but I I don't need all of it. You know what I mean? Have you watched Dead End? No, what's that? Oh my, you got it. Okay, so it's an animated show. It's on Netflix. And the main character is um, a trans boy. Okay, I'm already in. And then the other like homie character is definitely like an autistic Indian girl. Excellent. Right? So they like work at this theme park. Of this woman who, you can't convince me that this woman wasn't a drag queen. Okay. And so, and <laughs> the whole thing is haunted. There's demons and monsters left and right. And they're just, hilarity ensues. There's gayness everywhere. There's 
mental health stuff talked about. There's all of this different kind of stuff and also spoop. Where does one watch such a show? Netflix. Delightful. Dead end. I'm like never on Netflix anymore. I know, but I I was this week trying to find our fucking musical. I know. The one that we Ugh. were the one that we were gonna record at the time that we are recording this one, and it just wasn't there. We're having some some licensing troubles. Ew, gross. It's fine, we'll get it figured out, but that was irritating. Yeah. What are what what's the hint for the one we're actually doing? So the one that we're actually doing right now here today, the hint is Monte Carlo. Beautiful Monte Carlo. Yes, so It's a place <laughs> for lovers in love. I can still do that because we haven't monetized. God damn it. Um, you keep saying that, and then what are we going to do? Like, go back and edit shit? No, it just means we have to, like, not monetize things. Ever? I don't know. A boo hiss. Anyway, so... <laughs> <laughs> so, Monte Carlo, that is a the main location in this musical that we are talking about today. We are talking about the 2014 film Lucky Stiff. I love Lucky Stiff. I love Lucky Stiff. So Drake and I did this in high school. We were sophomores and it just, it was so much fun. It was a musical I'd never heard of. Well, that's the thing. Lucky Stiff is the best musical you've never heard of. I love it. I think it's so cheesy and dumb and it just... It's so funny. It's so well written. The music is catchy. It's not like other like off-off-Broadway things where like you walk away like not really remembering any of the songs. Like this is a really catchy score. Yeah, I think so. I think so. it's great. I think it's great writing. I think it's great music. Also, and yeah, no one's ever heard of the fucking thing. Also, something we haven't talked about. This is your birthday month. It's my birthday month. How old are you turning? We should get an actual recording of that sound. Sam, write that down. <laughs> get us a weird little uh, buzzer noise. Yeah. Uh, I am turning 29 this year. And so in celebration, I have picked out four delicious musicals for us to record this month. This is the first one, and I picked it because it's something that we've been a part of, something that we both really loved, and I wanted us to have at least one this month that we could just sit down and reminisce about that we both had, like, warm fuzzies about. Right. Oh my god. Turn your sound off. Sam, keep that in. Everyone needs to know that Binny is being irresponsible. I know. I just, <laughs> I just, it was... Oh, brilliant. Sorry. Something important? Um, so my cousin Jamie is doing some businessy things and business, 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 business. And I helped her design her business cards yesterday and I got them ordered because she has an event coming up like in a week from when oh, we're that soon. She was like, I'm glad that I did not pay for expedite shipping because it is literally shipping today. Delightful. Who did you use? Vistaprint. Vistaprint always does the damn thing. Vistaprint. If you want to really like sponsor them. us. Yeah, this is not an ad, but I do really like Vistaprint. Yeah, no, seriously, because isn't that what you use for your wedding? What did we use? Um, or was that? It must have been Vistaprint. No, no, we went to Minutemen here in town. Oh, okay. We supported a local business. We love supporting the local girlies when we can. We did everything for our wedding like as ethically as we possibly could. Yeah. Even though Minutemen uses prison labor and we don't love that about them, we actually detest that about them. But they also do a lot community-wise as far as financial involvement in charities, the Boys and Girls Club. We like that about them. So we supported a local business. We did, like, compostable, biodegradable silverware. 
that we bought like in bulk from a warehouse company. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't do any balloon, like no rubber balloons or streamers or anything that weren't recyclable. Yeah, we did. I mean, oh, we did uh, uh, fabric tablecloths that we rented from a company because we didn't want to do paper ones or plastic ones because they were wasteful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nailing it. I'm always a big fan of like, it's not on the individual's responsibility to resolve climate change. Like, I don't think there's anything on a personal level we can do anymore. We're past that. Like, like do what you can, but it's not going to completely, no. it's not going to solve the problem. Right. If, if every single person in the public did their best, recycled every day, and like had a, a tiny, tiny carbon footprint, it still wouldn't make a difference because there's like 80 companies on the planet that are destroying everything. And there's nothing we can, we as a populace can undo about that. There's not, that's past our control at this point. So either companies will do what they're going to do and do the right thing or they won't. And that's kind of out of our hands. But I do believe when you engage with an industry like the wedding industry that is notoriously wasteful because you're doing one-off events, you have to do your part when you engage with an industry that is wasteful like that. So make decisions that are responsible and sustainable. You know what I mean? So anyway, we're doing Lucky Stiff today. We're doing <laughs> <laughs> I'm very excited about it. I had a hard time finding any kind of like research or information about this. How'd you do? Poorly. I did find out that there was a movie in 1988 that came out of the same name. Oh, was this a movie before it was a musical then? No. This is a very different movie. Oh, okay. Do you want to hear about it? I mean, Sure. I don't have any research to contribute, so we might as well. <laughs> I think I think this will bridge the gap nicely between between Halloween and Christmas. Okay. This little this little research of this. So it's titled Lucky Stiff, obviously. Right. So Ron Douglas takes a vacation in the mountains to seek solace from his bride abandoning him on their wedding day. Oh. Right. There he meets Cynthia Mitchell, who invites him home for a Christmas dinner with her family. Aww. They're cannibalistic descendants of the Donner Party. Sorry, one more time? Cynthia's family? That he, she invited Ron to Christmas dinner with? I'm still waiting for the Are the, the cannibalistic... De- there it is. Yep, cannibalistic <laughs> descendants of the Donner Party. Oh my god! He unexpectedly encounters his fiance, who is engaged to one of Cynthia's relatives now. Oh my god! Gooped and gagged. He also discovers that he is going to be killed and eaten by Cynthia's family. He manages to successfully escape with his ex-fiance, and she agrees to go through with the wedding. Sometimes all you really need to bring you back together is a near-death experience. You know what I mean? Right. And look at that! We also brought in the wedding theme. We brought in the the Halloween theme. We brought in Christmas. Wow. That was accidental, kids, and look at me go. <laughs> okay, so it was a movie uh, of no relation. Of no relation. Then it was a musical. Yep. Um, so this was actually an off-West End musical, so this is a London show and not an American musical. Um, and it never played West End. It's never played Broadway. It played off-West End. It had like a little cult following. Apparently, it's really popular amongst musical theater people, and like that's kind of it. Okay, so the, it's because this, I love, this is like, it reminded me of Clue. Sure. 
you know what I mean? Like I do that know what vibe you mean. I of do know like what you mean. Clue and how there's like really stupid shenanigans but catchy songs. Right. It's sort of slapsticky like, but like still thoughtful. Exactly. So all of this being said, right? Mm-hmm. So it was released August 22nd, 2014. It was directed by Christopher Ashley, screenplay by Lynn Aris, and then cinematography by Greg Gardner, and music by uh, Stephen Faltery. Faltery. Uh, it's uh, Flaherty. Fla- yeah, I know. Aaron's and Flaherty. Yeah. The same people who wrote, like, Annie. They wrote the new one about the Russian princess... Anastasia. Anastasia. Wow, I don't know why I blanked on that title. Yep. I love Aaron's and Flaherty. Yeah. They wrote Once on this Island, I think. Did they? Yeah. All right. I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure. Pretty sure. So the cast for this one was Dominic Marsh as Harry Witherspoon. Who's, Never heard of him. I know. Um, who's a shy English shoe salesman. So I did a little, like a tiny, tiny bit of research about all the actors because I was curious where they all came from. Sure. So Dominic Marsh does stage things. Sure. Like theater things. Well, great. Then we have Nikki M. James as Annabelle Glick, who's a no-nonsense representative of the universal home of a dog's of... (laughs) (laughs) She is a no-nonsense representative of the universal dog home of Brooklyn. She I do recognize. Yeah, you should. She's won a Tony. Yeah, she, she won, won a, a Tony, Tony in Book of Mormon. Yep. She's incredible. And she also was in the revival of Les Mis. Yes, she was. She played Eponine. She's quite the talent. She, I mean, stun. Yeah. And she had won her Tony by the time, like, three years before yes, this. Yes, she had. So. Tony Award winner Nikki M. James. Hello. Then we have Pamela Shaw as Rita Laporte. The high-strung lover of the dead Tony Hendon. She's also like a like a very well-known actress across the pond. Well, I love that for her. Then we have Jason Alexander. I love him. I love Jason Alexander. It's always such a pleasant surprise when he shows up in this musical because he's done like a good fistful of musical theater work and I feel like people kind of forget that about him. Because he's so well-known for Seinfeld. Right. Like, that's of course what he is. Yeah. TV makes you famous. Right. But theater makes you good. <laughs> so Jason Alexander plays uh, Vinny DiRuzio, Rita's mild-mannered brother, who's an optometrist. He's on my bucket list of uh, roles I would like to play. Vinny? Yeah. I want to play Rita. I want to do it with you. I want to play Rita so bad. Which um, is so funny because we've done this musical and we still are like, I'm dying to be in this show. <laughs> Whatever. Let's like, do it hey, again. Yeah, let's do it again. Let's play different parts. Let's put other people in it. I would love that. We're okay. So what this podcast is slowly turning into is us just getting even more ideas <laughs> to just how we want to do theater outside right, of this. We're just fan casting our friends. Fine. Whatever. <laughs> I don't even care. Then we have Dennis Farnia. I believe you. Sure. As Luigi Gaudi. Oh, he's kind of famous. He, he is people famous. Are, he's people a famous will know actor. if we mispronounced his name. F-A-R-I-N-A. I don't know. That's cool. what we're doing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he is a mysterious, boisterous Italian man. Delicious. Yes. Don 
Oh. You better give it Amendolia. a shot. Amendolia. Amendolia. How mm-hmm. Italian. As Uncle Tony. Ah. Ah. Mr. Anthony Hendon. Oh. I thought it was so funny. Uh, Harry calls him Uncle Anthony this entire movie. And everyone else calls him Tony. Well, I called him Anthony when we did it, and like no one bothered to correct me. Oh, well, you're wrong. I know, and now I feel like a decade-old fool. You are. <laughs> By the way, it's been way longer than Don't a talk to me like that. <laughs> it has been a decade since we did this musical, and I won't hear otherwise. Okay, fine. Whatever you need to get through the day. Yeah. Um, a decade is an abstract amount of time. <laughs> it's... It is. Okay. <laughs> it's ten years exactly. Stop, but... stop, okay, stop. Okay, um... Then we have Catherine Schindel as Dominique, a seductive French nightclub singer. Dominique, Dominique, oh, oh, oh. Um, and she's actually like a like a like a well-known singer across the pond and oh, okay. uh, whatever. Is she French? No. I can tell. Yeah, I know. Mary Birdsong as maid. The drunk maid? Yeah. Delightful. I yeah. <laughs> Yep, yep, yep. She's yep, got yep. a very Penelope Cruzy kind of vibe about her with like the really big hair and like the, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then Jane Hodeshell as Harry's landlady and then Cheyenne Jackson as MC. I know, Cheyenne Jackson's in this fucking movie. The MC of Glitzy Monte Carlo Nightclub. How wild. There's a couple other cameos we'll get to as we go through the movie and like really, it really brings to light how much of a fan favorite this, this musical was, is. This was just it's got a all passion these little, project. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, it's got all these like little community cameos that like you won't hear or see unless you know who these people are. And like you won't unless you're a Broadway fan. Exactly. So there, there was... are a couple in like the the sweetener vocal group, like the like the vocal ensemble that like isn't in the movie but like recorded the songs. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of names in there too that are like what the fuck are you doing here? It's because this is just, it's just fun and goofy. and Right, it was like every musical theater fan who really loved this musical found out they were filming a movie and was like, I'm in. Right. And so they're here. Exactly. <laughs> so basically, everybody in the cast has some stage experience. So I think that that's one thing that makes this so enjoyable. It's just goofy as hell, but you're watching really talented people do it. Absolutely. So the reception for this, though, was kind of shit. I'm not going to lie. Well. I'm, I mean, you know, whatever. So, like, on Rotten Tomatoes, it's got a 40% rating. And Dennis Harvey from Variety gave the film a negative review and wrote, Results are equal parts diverting and strained and most likely to please the same niche audiences who had given the material a modest stage shelf life for the last quarter century. Wow. But then you have Neil Genslinger from the New York Times saying, with songs about shoes and dogs, Lucky Stiff couldn't be sillier. But Mr. Marsh, and especially Ms. James, because duh, yeah. make it an enjoyable curiosity for fans of musical theater. Well, that's what it is. That's what it is, guys. This isn't, this isn't doing anything crazy or wild, you no, know? No, and this, this isn't a movie that came in and was like, we can introduce this musical to a new audience by stunt casting. They were like, we're going to make a movie that celebrates the audience that we have. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which is why, like, visibly when you watch it, there's, like, some 
direction things and cinematography things that I'm there's like, a lot of them actually what the fresh fuck but like the actors themselves i think oh good job everybody i'm so excited to gush about this musical with you for the next hour here we go let's dive into some plot biddies All right, so right off the top, we get a bunch of cartoon shenanigans. First, we have an orchestra tune-up. Right. And again, this was very clearly made for musical theater fans. It was. This was made for no one else. Um, I love an orchestra tune-up. There's just something so... uh, It just makes my heart warm. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then we we also get a bit of an overture with cartoon stuff. Also, all of the writing, like all of the, like visual like the text on screen yes bewitched oh yeah it's very much that like it feels like a canned font yeah yeah Uh, like the opening title sequence where we get like all the names and all the producers and all that stuff yep first of all feels like an older thing because we don't really do that before movies anymore so i like that about it Mm -hmm. however it does feel like it was made on like microsoft paint i love it an iMovie. I love it. <laughs> I think it's so goofy. I It does grow on me eventually, because we see it a lot throughout this film, but I do think it looks really cheap. Speaking of cheap, then we shift into this dream sequence of Harry's. Yeah, which which I enjoy, because it it is one of the moments in this film where I feel like we can tell we're in a movie. Like, we're doing something specifically movie format and not musical theater format on a movie. Right. It does mean, however, that we don't get the opening number, something funny is going on. Which breaks my heart. Because it's funny. So we get a dream sequence with our main man, Harry Witherspoon. And he's like dreaming of being like in in the sun on the ocean with a on bunch a of boat hot women. Sexy women. And then we flash to he's in the the shoe shop having this woman try a shoe on. <laughs> And she is just... She is seconds from orgasm. Just like, oh, yeah, Oh, my it. God. Oh, yeah, ah. Don't he, stop so close. And it's he, so funny. And he also is doing, oh, yeah, ah, yeah, ah. And it's so obnoxious. It's, I think it's hysterical. Well, because then they get the shoe on, and then she's, and then he's like, all right, so a sale. And she's like, no. And we come to find out she's a recurring character throughout this thing. She comes back in a in a nightmare sequence later. She's a woman with like a foot fetish, shoe fetish, whatever, who wastes this man's time while he's trying to sell shoes. Yeah. Like, comes in on the reg, this gets is her part jollies of, yeah, off. Yeah, this is part of his daily routine. <laughs> yeah. His boss is leaving, and he's like, so you're cool to do inventory tonight, right? And he's like, I mean, yeah, I have nothing else going on in my life. And he's like, that's why I like you, and he leaves. So, What year do you think it is? I, this has got to be like late, like l- like late, late 60s. May, I've, maybe I more had, so early 70s. I had pegged early 70s, yeah. Just based off of like the look, the clothes. Right, because it's got a lot of like the architecture is very 1960s. Yep. 1960s London. However, some of the hairstyles and some of the silhouettes we get later are very, like, almost mod style, which is closer to the 70s. Like, some of the hairstyles are really round. We get a lot of, like, baby doll cuts and, like, uh, not a lot of cinched waist. 
There's that blue suit thing that happens later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So some of the lapels are really wide. So all those things indicate to me 1970s. Yeah. But I couldn't find a year anywhere for this. No, and I also did research to try and see, like, what year they landed on for this and different stuff like that. Sure, if they had said it somewhere specific for the movie. Right, and I couldn't get anything. I don't remember there being a setting on the musical when we did it either. I don't think we picked a year. I don't. I don't think so. I think it I'm gonna, was just I'm whatever gonna, was in the closet. <laughs> <laughs> As per usual. I'm going to pin it down to 1971. That's my guess. I believe you. According to the mod styling and the... Of course, I guess the British invasion in America was after that, so it could be early... Or it could be late 60s, technically. Yeah. But I'm still going to... I'm going to stick with 1971. I believe you. Because also... A lot of the characters that we're looking at are poor. That's true. So also, then, like the Rita trend, and you know. Rita and Vinny are from America, and Rita's look is a little, a little more disco than yep. it is mod, which would again indicate seventies. Right. I'm gonna stick with it. I'm gonna say seventy one. I think you should. Someone, someone, find out. Test it for me if you can find it buried in some Reddit thread or something. But I'm gonna guess 1971. Which, by the way, you guys can watch this movie on like. Tubi and Pluto TV and Voodoo and it's available on a bunch YouTube. of free TV. Yeah, and it's all free. Apps. It's yeah. all free. It's Which is so fun. Just give it a watch. It's so silly. Don't watch it for anything other than like goofy fun. Right. Watch it because you like musical theater. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not a revelation. <laughs> no. No. So he's doing inventory and we get our first number and he's talking about how boring his life is, how he doesn't go anywhere and. This is literally all of his his life is here in this shoe shop and at home where he rents a room in a large house with a bunch of other people. Whom he hates. Yeah, he hates them. He never can pay his rent on time because he's broke as hell and he can't seem to sell shoes. But this woman comes in and gets her jollies off every day. Like, it's a, it's a lot. It's rough. It's It's a rough go of it. So after the number... There's like a random cartoon transition. Yeah, again, there we have these little like two-dimensional, they look like construction paper shapes. It's just not good. No. It's so cheap. Yeah. And I, I again, it does grow on me eventually, and I think the reason it looks so cheap is because we use it to move the plot forward pretty often. Yeah. In a way that, like, a blackout and a curtain closing would on stage. Right. And because we use it so often, they probably only had X budget for it, but they had to use it, you know, umpteen million times. So they had to come up with animation that was sustainable that they could use when they needed. Right. So I think that's, I think what we're seeing is a. Uh, an animation budget that got stretched thinner than it should have. <laughs> yeah. Because like the transition here is like cart, like cartoon shadow dogs and like overlapping real life dogs and life. And it, to me, it just doesn't, if you wanted that transition, I think it should have been more actual, like, Here's a cartoon transition. I agree. Or, you know, like something like that. It landed somewhere in the middle. Right. So, um, while he's on his way home, his landlady gets a telegram for Harry. There's another whole number about the people that he lives with 
and the landlady trying to figure out how to open this telegram to see what it is because a telegram only ever means bad news. Right. At this time frame. Like this is something serious. This isn't like an atypical letter that is sent. This right. A is... telegram means a tragedy, something horrible or grim. Why would anyone send a telegram to him? That's paraphrasing. That's not correct. Yeah. Those, those, are, not, those, are, those are lyrics, but they are not correct. <laughs> right. So they're talking and they, she has like a bunch of dogs and she... Are we going to talk about the stew on the stove? Yes, we are. So It's green. It's green. It's like a weird blue green thing. And she's like dishing it up to everybody. And it's they're like, like porridge gruel. yummy. <laughs> and it, Harry, like in his portion of the song is like bitching about having to eat stew. And the endless lights of stew. And I'm talking to a shoe. Because it's ugly as fuck. It's gross. gross. It looks like it's like a gray, blue, green porridge gruel dog food looking thing. Right. So I wonder what they used to make it. I genuinely It's gotta be like wet newspaper and glue. Like it's (laughs) It's so ugly and so gross. Um, So he shows up and gets the uh, telegram like right before they're about to open it. Yeah, he like walks in on them as they're steaming it open with a teapot. Right. Um, and here we find out kind of like, oh, like in a little bit throughout the film so far that Harry really hates dogs. Yeah. Well, because he's kind of held hostage by them in his daily life. Right. Also, the character voices on this group of four in the lodger's house, they're so funny. I love it. But these are stage character voices. Yeah, they are. These are affected, really polished, trained voices that so are, despite the fact that they're they're affected and they're changed and they're altered, they still sound so good. Have a lovely And It's so funny. It's it's very yes. Yes, 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 yes. So Harry looks at the telegram, he ends up in an attorney's office, and he's like, Hey, so sorry, your uncle Anthony Hendon died. Um, you're his only living heir. So here's the deal. In his last will and testament, he left you $6 million. But to get the money, you have to do a bunch of weird shit. Right. There, the there terms of this will are particular weird. Particular circumstances you must complete. And Harry's like, I don't give two shits what it is. Right. He's it's like, $6, six million? Dollars? That's fine with me. And he finds out, though, that if he fucks up at all, all of the money goes to... A dog charity. Yeah, the Universal Dog Home of Brooklyn, which was Uncle Tony's favorite charity. Yeah, and he's like, well, fuck that plan in the ass. I'll die before I let dogs have this money. Exactly. So, um... P.S. $6 million in what we're assuming is 1971... To today's money? Would be $43,971,555.56. Jiminy Christmas. Can you imagine someone sitting you down and being like, hello, if you complete this bulleted list, you will receive $43 million. I can't even imagine someone looking me in the face and saying I'd get $6 million from oh doing it. Oh my God. You know uh, what I mean? Oh my God. I would be a menace. I'd, I'd, a menace I'd to like, society. Perfect. Great. What do I need to do to complete this? <laughs> so we find out... Um. His assi- the attorney's assistant wheels in this guy and he's like, what the fuck is this? And he's like, 
that's your Uncle Tony. And he's like, I thought he was dead. He, he is. is. Um, so it turns <laughs> out what he has to do is he has to take his uncle's dead body. It's a Weekend corpse. at Bernie style to Monte Carlo for this trip. And everything is paid for. He gets like a check for some some pocket money. Right, he's to got do petty cash other to get the weekend accomplished. Right. So all of the instructions are recorded on this tape that he brings this player along yeah. with, and then he that's how he knows what all he, he needs to do. So the attorney wheels in a dead body, hands him a heart shaped box, yep, and a tape recorder, and says, Start, stop, rewind. Best of luck. Just leaves him. So it turns out that Uncle Tony had a friend who was a taxidermist. Yeah, and let's talk about it real quick because Uncle Tony looks so waxy and gross right now. They did a great job. I mean, it's I, a really killer stage it, makeup job, but like the effect did. is very unsettling. Well, because li- <laughs> it's supposed to literally be a dead body. Right. I mean, he's supposed to. He's a taxidermied corpse. Right. It's gross. Right. And Have you so, ever seen like a, a like a body at an open casket wake or anything? Yes, a lot. Oh, ugh. I literally like have been in rooms when people have died. Oh yeah, you did like I was healthcare in, for a while. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean it's an unsettling look about a human face. You're right. It's because not to be like obnoxious or brash here for a second, but it's because their their soul in life has left their body. Right. I mean, it's all this stuff so that normally things... is alive and moving under your skin is suddenly not. Yep. And like, again, this is one of those musicals where like something really gruesome is afoot, but there's a lot of like sticky humor about it. So it's not gross. Yeah, it's so ridiculous. <laughs> it's again. almost becoming a motif here for the pod. Right. So from here, he because the attorney's like, hey, try and stay out of the newspaper. Like, try and stay, because that's going to make your time a living fucking hell if people recognize your face. The very next scene is, like, his face on the front of a paper as Rita reads a headline. So, we meet Rita, and she's in um, New Jersey, right? And she's like, oh my god, he's dead. She books it to her brother's optometrist office, right? She's not wearing her glasses. She is actually legally blind, guys. With they say her it multiple times. Yeah. yeah, because this isn't like a oh, I like my eyesight's like kind of fuzzy. No, she like is legally blind. And the cool thing they do to really make you see what she's seeing is they put it through her point of view sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So like she'll be fumbling through a room and suddenly everything will be blurry and we'll be seeing things from Rita's perspective, which is important later. To really understand why something happens. Yeah, yeah. It kind of guides us through some of the misunderstandings at the end of this because there's a lot of, like, Shakespearean, like, crossing of wires later, Exactly. Which exactly. is really funny. Uh, and again, it's the comedy writing of, like, she's legally blind, her brother's an optometrist. There's some banter between, like, Harry Witherspoon and the recording of his uncle where he's like, I can't believe this is happening. I bet you're sitting there thinking you can't believe this is happening. Like, the writing is so funny Mm-hmm. I love it. <clears throat> Very sticky. Um, so she busts into her brother's office and he's like, Rita, what the fuck? Because he was with a patient. Right. You can't 
just can't. do this. And it sounds like she keeps doing this anytime she Not loses the first her glasses. Time it's happened. Right. <laughs> so Rita Rita starts singing this song and she's like, Hey, so I'm gonna give you the lowdown about because she has him read this newspaper article about this guy who's dead, and he's like, Why do I fucking care? And she's like, Well, here's I'll tell why, you why. Here's why you should care. I love her, Rita's confession. She has a moment with like the eye, like her eyes are so low lit. Like they do like with Morticia Adams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really like like investigator style lighting. Yes, I I love the lighting and this, and we also get a flashback. So here, yeah, yeah, it's like a film you, noir motif. Exactly. So it's so funny. Yeah, let me give you a breakdown on what what happened and why Vinny needs to care why this guy is dead. So Rita, who's married, was stupping this guy Tony Hendon. They stole $6 million from her husband's casino. She came over to Tony's apartment one night, saw a woman leaving. She goes in, she shoots Tony in the chest. Keep in mind during this entire time, not wearing glasses, blind as a bat, just wielding a gun, <laughs> which she does later. Yeah, and it's it seems obnoxious. to be one of her favorite pastimes. Um, and he's like, okay, why do I give a shit about any of this? And she's like, so when my husband found out that the money was gone, I did say that you lost it gambling. So you stole it. And I think he now has a hit out on you. So we got to go find this kid. So we have to go to Monte Carlo together and we need to find this guy and we need to steal the money back. What the fuck? (laughs) I love this number. It's, it's really funny good comedy writing i also think that your rita's confession is better than hers oh my god thank you Uh, i won't apologize i just think you make a really good rita and thank you i'll be damned if the world never sees it thank you everybody um maybe we'll just record a video of us uh singing a couple of the songs and just post them because Listen, what are we here if not for a vanity project hello if backstage <laughs> if backstage biddies ever lands like a tour i think obviously we're gonna do like this and we're gonna make fun of a movie duh but i also think we need to bookend it with like an opening number and a closing number where we get to sing stuff if we have a captive audience you bet your ass you're gonna hear us sing so sorry guys (laughs) sorry not sorry actually um so there's when she's explaining like the fact that there's a hit out on him and he the like the brother Vinny is like freaking out about it there's another cartoon thing that happens of him like his cartoon self getting killed yeah yeah all the ways he could die right um and then we also get a flash of cartoon with them leaving i like this transition yeah like i said it starts to grow on me because we use it in a in a in a useful way yeah in a useful way yeah good way to phrase it yeah because they're leaving it shows them as like they as human selves are leaving the office. Then it transitions right away into cartoon selves and they like get in a car and like turn a corner and there's a plane. Like it's a very good use of of that kind of mm-hmm. shtick. Harry and Uncle flash into them. They're on a train. On there's the, a nun. There's a nun. So <laughs> in also in this musical, there is a nun character. And there's one of one of the funniest songs that I think is in the show is not in the movie. I know. We'll talk about it when we get there. Um, 
but a nun plays an important role in that song. So it's very, I like the fact that they, and they do sprinkle nuns left, right, and sideways all nuns, over this. Which again is like a, a musical theater inside joke amongst our crowd that like there are nuns and sailors and everything. Yep. Yep. And it I just, get such a kick. Every, it's like, it's like a little haha every single time I see one. And like, if I were to watch this with like Ross or someone else who doesn't have like extensive musical theater knowledge, They'd be like, why is that funny? And I can't explain it to you. No, no. It just, it's just, <laughs> it's Nuns are funny. funny. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, um, everybody. They made whole shows called Nonsense about it. There's like six of them. Yeah. Guys, it's a lot. So they're on the train and they're traveling to Monte Carlo. They have, he has the list of like what shit they need to do. Like here, we're going to order these things. We're going to enjoy this. Um, we've got a musical number going on. This random guy comes up and introduces himself and it's Luigi. He's like, hi, let me help you show you around Monte Carlo and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no, we're good. Because remember, Harry's traveling with a dead body. Yeah. He's like, I don't need help. Thank you so much. And he's like, no, no, I'll tell you how to vacation properly. And he's like, no, we're going here for rest and seclusion. And he's like, no, this is Monte Carlo. You come, you come here for, for women and booze and gambling and (laughs) like all of this stuff. And he's like, okay, fucking rando on this train, please leave me alone because I am with a dead body. Like Luigi Gaudi looks like, it looks like a Stan Lee cameo. It does. From like the Marvel movies. Like he just, with the glasses and the mustache, he just, it looks like Stan Lee made an appearance in this movie. It does. It does. Uh, I think it's funny. Um, we go through this number and he's like having to move his uncle's dead body. Yeah. He's like puppeteering him to keep up the illusion that That he's alive listening to the song happening around him. Yeah. He like fully like grabs the back of his head and like nods it and like, Moves his arms around like he's eating and, you know, all this stuff. Um, At one point, he, like, hides a plate of escargot from a waiter. Yep. Who, by the way, is played by the Wesley Taylor. Casual. Oh, my God. It's fine. He showed up and I was like, oh, that's Wesley Taylor. Like, This was before he had done, like, the MC and Cabaret and, like, a handful of other things that kind of gained him notoriety. But, like, we knew him at the the time from, like, Smash. Mm Mm-hmm. Always been a big Wesley Taylor fan. We've talked about him before on the podcast. I can't wait for him to like headline a movie musical. Oh, I'm he's just going to be it. great. I'm just jazzy for it. Um, <clears throat> Do you think the sound quality on this movie was really bad? It wasn't great. Everything sounds like it's inside a tin can. It wasn't great. There's a few times where I didn't hate it. Like yeah, yeah. it didn't. It didn't really bug me, and I think it's because the rest of this movie is so cheap and campy right yeah it fits in but like again we watched this on a platform where like it was spliced with commercials right so every time my ear got accustomed to like the kind of pinginess of the sound design i would get a commercial break and then it would go away and i would jump back into the film and be like oh there it is again yeah oh it bugged me yeah bugged me the whole time So during this number, there's this random gal who, like, seems suspicious walking past, um, quickly followed by these two women that are flaunting their chesticles uh, in front of Uncle Tony. This was you. This was me. (laughs) The Southern Um, ladies. Yeah. Just, like, all up in his shit and was just like, oh, my God, he's a millionaire. What if we have, like, a little... 
Yeah. When you we know? did it, I think your your characters were very like ladies on a girls weekend. Yeah, and this was again, here, we were in high school right. though when we did this. So that's Here they feel kind of like hookers. They do feel like hookers. <laughs> like like Luigi knew some sex workers on this train and was like, oh, are you here for a good time? Let me introduce you real quick to the two sex workers that I know on this train. Yeah. And like, get your bag, secure your your bag however you feel. Right. But it was, they were like a lot. So there was, there's a little bit of choreo here. This is not a dance show, kids. No, it's very, very not a dance show. No, no, no. They land in Monte Carlo, right? We're in a nightclub. Oh, can I tell the raccoon story? Yeah. So this, the, <laughs> the song we're singing on this train car while they meet all these characters is called It's Good to Be Alive, which is funny, again, because it's a Uncle body. Tony is dead, and they're singing about how fun it is to be in Monte Carlo and to go on vacation. They're like, isn't it good to be alive? Look at all the fun things we get to do. And it's funny because it's ironic. There was... Uh, an evening where Vinny and I and a friend of ours who had also been in the show with us were driving and listening to this cast recording. This song comes on. And we all know it. So we're all singing. We're all singing our, you know, individual vocal lines and uh, having a good time, bopping around. And the song ends, it's good to be alive. And then right at the very last note, we hit a raccoon. Like, the timing couldn't have been funnier. Because it's good to be alive. Thump. Like, literally, at the end, at right the on end the, of it, right on, on the, the button, button, I, so I burst out laughing. I thought it was hysterical. You two were concerned for, for a, uh, which understandably. Well, You're I like, was driving, so I had hit an animal, so I was like, oh no. Right. Uh, and I was like cackling in the back seat and you guys were like what the fuck and i'm like no no no, think about it very sad <laughs> very sad for the raccoon i wish that didn't happen but also like what a way to go you nailed it kid <laughs> like couldn't have been more theatrical i'd seriously like you didn't know but also goddamn. also like i just <laughs> there was nothing i could have done to avoid it like he no he came he- right up off the shoulder yeah. Like, literally just, jumped under my car. Like, I couldn't have swerved. I couldn't have stopped. There was nothing I could have done. No. No, no, no. To prevent this from happening to that poor little critter. Right. But also, <gasps> like, wow, oh, wow. You're, you're comedian. We lost one of the greats Someone that day. get that, that just, little raccoon a Tony nom. Ser- oh, God. Something. He nailed it. <laughs> he did. He did. Um, Sorry. So, yes. Then we get off the, off the train. We're in Monte Carlo. We're in Monte Carlo. So, we are in a nightclub. There's a lot of stunning glimmer and lights. I and love the club scene. There's MC. And this is where we meet Cheyenne Jackson. Yep. This is, we're just like, oh, we're in Monte Carlo now. And I was like, oh, I thought there was stuff that happens before this number. But I maybe- did the same thing where I was like, oh, okay, we're jumping numbers. Like, that's fine. We're in a movie, not the, not the show. So right, that's like, fine. Right, like whatever. Um, that's not what we're doing. JK, we, we're introduced to the nightclub and then we are For off like to other stuff. literally maybe 30 seconds, if that. Yeah. May, maybe 15. Like, it is so fast, guys. It's just a little blip to, like, establish that we're at this In club. Monte Carlo. Right. I don't know that I cared for it, to be honest with you. Well, because I think the club is a part of the hotel that they're staying at. It is. So, 
narratively it's establishing a location, but it's also like not where the action that takes place next occurs. So it, it is a little confusing. Right. I, yeah, I didn't care for it. Um, I understood because we've done the thing. So I was like, cool. Right, right. Fine. <laughs> but just like looking at it as someone like, if someone has never seen it or done, they'd be like, why the fuck are we flashing yeah. to this? And then, but again, and then immediately flashing to them entering their hotel room, like in yeah, broad yeah, yeah. daylight. But again, people who hadn't heard of this aren't the ones who that this they're making this movie right, for. Like right, they're right, not right. The, the target audience. So, right. So, um, they check into this room. It's like a grand, like presidential suite, guys. It's gorgeous. There's, a, they make sure that there's like the roses that were specified and the champagne and the pink silk sheets. Pink satin sheets. Satin. Yeah. Um, and like there's all of this kind of stuff. And so the bellhop is going through and like listing all of these things. And Harry's like, <laughs> yeah, okay, I get it. And he's getting more exuberant more and enthusiastic more with every single on. point he makes and then all of a sudden Harry's like oh and tips him and he's like god like he, he, he like, like mumbles all of a under he, his breath on the like, way out he's like he's, fucking cheapskate he's like fucking schmuck like <laughs> like duh you fucking idiot I'm not sitting here right my job is not to we did all this before you got here yeah no can I don't need to play this so up so I can get out of here exactly so it was that was like a cute little moment um, Again, funny, funny writing. Yes. Harry goes out and is like taking a look, see at what's going on outside. The mystery woman is outside the hotel with binoculars looking up into their room. Yeah. What the fuck? Just, he was weirded out. I would be weirded out by that. Um, People are always staring at me with binoculars, so I wouldn't be weirded out by it. I would just wave, maybe pose for a photo. I'm famous. Okay. <laughs> um. <laughs> so then Rita and Vinny enter the hotel. Um. No, no, they get off the plane. They get off the plane. So they get off the plane and they're trying to, they need to figure out where the fuck these people are, right? Where Harry and where Harry is with the money. So they open the yellow pages and just start calling hotels. Right. At one point, Rita makes a call and she I think she says the name of the hotel she says the word Monaco is what happens but she pronounces it Monaca hi there is this hotel Monaca Monaca parlez-vous it's so funny just absolutely ridiculous she has such a funny accent it's such a fun character voice she does so Vinny um calls his wife Mary Alice I love this song it's a very good song so Essentially, the song is him being like, girl, I'm not going to be home for dinner. I'm in Monte Carlo. Like, I'm in Europe because my sister fucking set me up to be killed. So I need to yeah. find this guy and this money. And she's freaking out on the other line. Like, this, it's my birthday. It, <laughs> you know, like, all of this stuff. The fuck do you mean? Like... But you don't ever, like, fully hear her. You just hear, no, like... No, she's like a... Sh- yeah, she's like a Peanuts voice on the other line of the... Yeah. So, it just... My note for the song is Jason Alexander kills this number. He absolutely does. Acting-wise, vocally, I mean, he just... It's so interesting to watch him perform, and I'm so glad that he was in this. Um, so, they end up finding out which hotel that they're all in, 
And Vinny is like, don't, don't, no, don't say our actual names. And she's like, oh, it's Rita LaBalala and it's Dr. Vinny. She uses their full government names. (laughs) Bitch, what? And she brandishes this gun and shows like, (laughs) she's like, here, look at this gun. Oh my God. What in the dollar store? Was that, that gun? That it, the gun is fucking comical to look at. <laughs> it looks like it's made of like. It looks like it's trying to be a solid gold gun, but it's just like plastic, spray oh painted and yeah. gold metallic paint. It looks like something you'd get at like Party City. It's so funny looking. Oh my god! I and she just out loud. And she just like pulls it out of her purse like it's and it's a big gun, guys. This isn't like a small. No, it's like a full handgun. Yeah, yeah. Like, this isn't, like, a little pistol. Like, it's, like, a... Nah. She's got, like, a full silver Glock in her purse. And she's just, like, (laughs) (laughs) brandishing this fucking gun all around. I'm, like, bitch, you're in an airport. I can tell that this is nowhere near the 2000s. No, no, no. Harry and Uncle are going downstairs, and this kid just, like... Can I sit on your lap and crawls into the uncle's lap and then says, "Oh my god." And then says, "Mommy, his lap is hard." And she makes this face like, <gasps> "Pervert." She's like, "How dare you be in public and have allowed that to happen?" Sh- ma'am, ma'am, this was your son. Right, that is your child. Why is he crawling up into people's laps? Yeah. Can you get a handle on your fucking kid? What in the fresh hell? I can't stand people who will not parent their children in public. I'll do it for you. I just like... If your kid's running around being a menace in public, I will I will verbally berate your child in front of you. And I don't care if you think it's rude. And us, honestly, some parents are probably like, thank God someone else is doing it because yeah. they're not listening to and me. And I'm happy to do that if you need someone to do that for you in public. But if you're going to be shitty with me about it and be like, how dare you speak to my child that way? Eat a full bag of dicks. A full bag. Not a half. No. Not a quarter. A full not bag. A full bag. Bag. The whole thing, every last bite, because... Nom, nom, nom. If you're not gonna... <laughs> you signed up for this. Want some hot sauce? You are a parent. Bag of dicks. <laughs> anyway, so... <laughs> I literally have... Mommy, his lap is hard. The fuck? I mean... Oh my god. Because he's a dead body, guys. Like, it's, yeah, that's, it's, it's not because like, he's been taxidermied. Yeah, it's casual. <laughs> so, it's... So much of this movie, especially like at this point, just clips right along because all of a sudden like they're leaving and then you get a flash of Rita and she's like, I've got a plan. We're going to find him. And then it flashes over here and we find out that this mystery gal that's been following them around is Annabelle Glick. At one point, I don't want to breeze past it. They pass, like they get into an elevator and they pass uh, this random woman who has a line. It's Leslie Margarita. Why did you make a face? I'm giving you your moment. Oh, okay. I thought you had more and you just froze (laughs) with your hands like in jazz hand ready. Leslie Margarita is uh, a Broadway name. She's super talented. She goes by Queen Leslie. I love her to death. She was in Matilda. She was like the original Mrs. Wormwood in Matilda. She does. She's had like several productions of Dames at Sea. She did a one woman Christmas show as like a grown up um, Cindy Lou Who. Oh, cute. Yeah, she's, I mean, she's so talented. She's so great. And she makes an appearance in this movie, and I was like, is that Leslie fucking Margarita? It sure is, kid. Oh, my God. It truly, just like a, just a fan cast of, like, people who loved this musical. Oh, God, yeah. I love it. 
So the mystery gal is Annabelle Glick. She's a legal associate for the Brooklyn Dog Association for this home. And she's like, I'm here to make sure you don't fuck up. And when you do fuck up, I'm going to be right here. And if based off of the way the will is written, if you mess anything up, if you're like a minute late to anything, anything like that, you lose, we win. Right. I mean, it's so, got to be down to the letter. Every last glass of champagne, every last rose in a buttonhole has to be correct. Or, by contract, you lose the money. Exactly. And it goes to us. And he's like, great. All the more reason for me to do everything perfectly. And then she tries to convince him that it's like these dogs could really use it. And we get the number dogs versus you. I love this number. Uh, me too. I and mean, It's so funny. I just... I know we keep saying that, but like... Ms. James singing guys, this can, number, oh though. Oh my God, absolutely. Any number she sings, it's just stunning. Yeah. Stunning. Every time she opened her mouth, I was like, I know her from somewhere. I was like, I know her voice. How? Yeah, and I, I was, was like, like looking so at her familiar. face. And I was like, I also know her face. How do I... And then, and then I, I looked finally, her up. Yeah, yep. then I finally Googled it and I was like, ah, oh, yes, of course. Yes, yes, yes. So... She's essentially singing about like how great dogs are and how these dogs could use this money. And won't you feel good to give this money to these dogs that are like dying in the street or whatever. And during this time, you also see him interacting with random dogs in the street and how like they're constantly nipping at him and barking at him. Yeah. And he's like, no, fuck all of this. I do see how shitty these mongrels are. I'm not doing this. Right. They do this whole number. There are random cartoon bits of like random like shadow dogs popping up from the corners and then they're like popping up in like posters that are in the background. I do think some of the moving poster stuff is kind of cool. I might have liked it if the other things were incorporated more. I agree. Like, it, you yeah. know, the other No, I stuff. get it. I get it. Like I said, the, the animation isn't my favorite. It feels mishandled. But I don't... Uh, I think the... One of them that I dislike the least is probably the moving poster one. No, that's valid. <laughs> um, so they decide, fine. It's war, kids. Yeah, this is a really well-written song that, like, establishes conflict and moves the plot forward. Yep. Again, the songs are substantial and meaty and catchy. We get this sequence of them like going through and checking off all of these tasks that they're doing. And we use the animation here in a very brilliant way. This is very similar to the opening number where I can tell we're using the medium of film. Like they knew they were trying to make a movie when they used this sequence. Exactly. There's like a random box that comes up and then as Annabelle is like checking it off on her thing. It checks off on the screen of like, ah, we did this and we did this. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Cause she's going along for all of this stuff. And Harry's like, that's fine. Come along for everything. Absolutely. Because that's I'm totally going to show you that I'm doing this all completely correctly. Yeah. So they come to the nightclub finally. And, and one thing that Annabelle says, just like off the cuff, she's like, Oh, I'm very detail-oriented and this, that, and the other thing. It's because I'm a Virgo. <laughs> I caught that too. And it just, it, it tickled me. Um, Beyonce's a Virgo. She is. My moon is a Virgo. Fantastic. Uh, Stars align. Uh, anyway, so 
they're there and there's this specific table that they're going to sit at, this, that, and the other thing. Luigi is there. He looks like Colonel Sanders. What in the absolute... Ha- <laughs> Every single time we see him, he changes slightly. I really and I, like it. I'm just he like, does. He looks exactly like Colonel Sanders, like down right to the now, necktie like right this now. Is, yeah, it's kind of obnoxious. So then we get this this woman coming out doing this number. That's why they're there. It's Dominique Dumonico. So she comes out and she's got like a feather boa and feathers on her butt. And she's, she's wearing Leducas. She is wearing Leducas. I clocked those shoes the minute she stepped out on stage. She's wearing a very cheesy bustier in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Aren't these, the nightclub costumes a little bit cheesy tacky? They are very tacky. Like I, okay. So it wasn't just me. Cause I'm like, no. I'm like, this looks like someone bought a black bustier and then hot glued pink ribbon and white ribbon onto the front of it. Oh, absolutely. That's what happened. Okay. I was like, is it, is it me? Is it me being naive and like no, I'm not? No, it's not. No, I they look like, a little cheesy and campy, but I still really like them. And like yeah. the backup dancers here are working the fuck out. Like, they have these like feather poof hats. Oh my God, I love like, it. I can't even explain to you what it, it's like a mushroom, but it's feathered. <laughs> yeah, it's like an ostrich feather plume, but it's all the way around. I don't know. It's It's crazy. The the boas are very much like chicken feathers. Oh, th- those are like <laughs> cheap, cheap boas. It, they're fantastic. Um, so they come out and she's doing a number and she ends up pulling Harry up on the stage. And because like the whole song is about like, oh, you, you, you don't speak French? Okay, so what's love if you don't speak French? And goes through and she's like, I say ooh ooh ooh, and you say ah ah ah. I whisper ooh la la. That causes bump. Literally, it's just about that's them quote unquote speaking French. It's about people right. doing it. Right. Speaking French is an is a metaphor. Yeah. An allegory, a simile, whatever you wish to call it. Yeah 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 yeah. Um, speaking French is having sex. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's the language of love. Mm, 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 mm. There's a dick joke at the end of this song. There fully is a dick joke. Oh my god. Um. It's it's very funny. Right. So at one point, Harry is singing with her, and he says, which causes bump. And when we did it, I just, like, pulled up my collar, like, in, like, like a, a right, like, a, oh, my God, ooh, we're I'm talking getting, about getting sexy hot stuff. The collar. He fully looks down at his dick. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> yep. His, the bump, hard erection. Yeah. It was yeah. like, oh, my God. <laughs> yep. Um, and then she, like, stops the number. Because Annabelle is over there knitting and she's like, someone's not having fun. And she goes over and there she's, she's like, oh my God, have you been, have you lost your love? I lost my loved ones. Have too many lovers trampled on your heart. <laughs> Shitty French accents. Sorry. Sorry to our like one French listener. I'm so sorry. I saw you. If you're, if you're listening to this, I, it's shit. I'm our well aware. Our sincerest apologies to you um, and your nation. Uh, but also hers sounded like shit too. So I'm just, anyway. And it's just, it's so campy and it's so fun. Cause she's like, oh, can I get a blue spotlight please? Ping. And it, she sings this bit and then the little mushroom head gals like pop their heads up <laughs> on like beat. And it's so satisfying to watch like all those little the feathers, feathers shift. Move. Yeah. Um, and the entire time Annabelle is just like, like, no, 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 I'm not here to have fun. And just as she's knitting, like, feverishly starts knitting. Furiously like, knitting. lightning speed. Um, the number kind of comes to a wraps. 
and Annabelle is very like visibly upset that she was like called out and she was like, you know, so she sings this song called times like this. I love this song. So, so deeply. So beautiful. And it's about the fact that like people can run around, live their lives however they want. But she's like, I could use a dog. We find out Annabelle uses dogs as sort of a coping mechanism for the loneliness in her life. Mm -hmm. It's a very sweet, tender. It's like the perfect ingenue song. That's not about a guy. Right. Anytime anybody needs an audition piece for an ingenue, I'm like, you have to use it times like this. You can use any cut of the song and it'll always work. And we get like little bits of cartoon in here, but we also get to see her like in her Brooklyn home. Right. Being cozy with like a dog and like sitting by the river and like watching a sunset or a sunrise, like with her dog. Yeah. It's It's so sweet. It's very, oh, oh. Her Tony Award is on full display here. Full display. This woman, the way she sings, oh, oh. Bless you, Miss James. So Rita is dressed as a maid and Vinny is like walking down the hall. They bump into this maid and she's like, oh, um, we need keys. And she tries to speak bullshit French again. <laughs> um, and you would think that this maid would be like, no. Well, this maid also has, like, a flask in her hand. She is <laughs> drunk. Blackout. Drunk. Drunk, drunk. Uh, so they break into Harry and Uncle's room. Rita would have been a real hit on TikTok in this little maid costume. Oh, God, yeah. So she's talking to Vinny, and Vinny's like, I'm going to go out and see if I can find them and, like, keep an eye out and watch for them. Not here. Yeah. You got this room covered? Cool. I'm outie. So he disappears into the night. Um, Then Annabelle, Harry, and Uncle enter the room. Rita goes and hides in the closet. Annabelle and Harry have a conversation about the fact of like, all right, I'm going to go gamble. And she's like, you're not taking him? And he's like, no, because according to the plans, there's nothing until 11 a.m. the next day. Right. Our evening is over. He's going to sit here. I'm going to go use his infallible roulette trick to win more money. And then Annabelle's like, well, I'll go with you and I will just make sure that you call all the correct numbers and do it correctly. Right. Which is so sweet because through their own weird communication, what she said was, I'm going to come spend some quality time with you. Not on the clock, not out of obligation. Right. And he just kind of looked at her and was like, all right. I'm not going to say no. Like, you can, you know, it's cute. It's It's so sweet. The writing is so good. (laughs) So they leave uncle in the room. Rita hears that Tony is in the room and she starts freaking out in this closet. She's like, oh my God, I thought he was dead. He's not. He's there. I must have just nicked him. Like, (sighs) right. She started to sing fancy meeting you here. Right. So she takes off her glasses, fixes her hair and cleavage, and then goes out and is singing this number to Tony. And there are so many fun little, like, bits and gags throughout this whole song. At one point, she, like, mixes mixes herself a cocktail and then, like, 
goes to pick up the glass and grabs a vase full of flowers instead and like drinks out of the vase. And then she thinks she's setting it down on the counter and she and it, drops <laughs> it and it shatters. It's so funny. She starts walking. I love the bits. And during this during this song is when we get to see like how like blurry her vision is and it's important. Because right, because she, thinks she has no idea that she, this man in a wheelchair is is dead. dead. She has no idea that Tony's dead. And so she's like singing this song and like a bunch of like random shit happens and she flips over this table. During this scene, you can see that her knee was very clearly injured at some point and there's a bandaid matching her tights. I totally missed that. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck? And I had to pause it because I was like, what is on her knee? Well, the show must go on. Uh, Homegirl got injured and then did it again. As a performer, I do not recommend working through an injury like call out find a replacement whatever but maybe she just like scraped her knee or something right i mean we don't know all the circumstances but like uh, just the official stance of this podcast is if you are a performer and you are injured do not perform through your injury no because it's going to make it worse and if you want to do this forever right right take care of your instrument however this song is hysterical and also is another great place to pull audition cuts from. This whole musical is full of like, it's a gold mine of audition material. Fully. This is a really great comedy number for altos, which you like never get. Yeah, it's hard to find like numbers like this for like a real actual alto range. Yeah, this is a great option. Yeah. So during this time though, she ends up like stepping on a part of the wheelchair, which springs the body forward and he wraps his arms around her. And well, then they... yeah, I mean, gravity dictates that his body launches at her and like the arms fall on her. <laughs> right. But like, it looks like because of like things. So she thinks that he like got up and is hugging her. Right. And, right. Um, and then she fully makes out with the dead body and then screams because she realizes that it's a dead body. Uh Oh, yep. She also takes the opt up at the end of this number. There's like an optional. She does, note. and she she rocks it. Yeah, we didn't do it in our show, and I don't think they do it on the original cast recording either. But she does take the opt up at the end of this number, and it's so sweet. Mm-hmm. Oh, delicious, delicious. Mm-hmm. So Rita goes down and finds Harry winning a bunch of money. And who else is at the table at the roulette table but Kevin fucking Chamberlain? Yup. Oh my God. <laughs> we love Kevin Chamberlain here. I love him. He's the original Horton on Broadway mm-hmm. from Suzical. I love Kevin Chamberlain. He Played was Uncle also in Adam. Yeah, he was in Adam's Family. He's most famous for his role as the butler on Jesse, that Disney show. Hey, just say. I love him. I think he's so funny. Yeah. And he's here. My God. So many Broadway people. So little time. Exactly. So redefines Harry and like puts a gun in his ribs and is like, you better follow me. I'm going to shoot ya otherwise. Cause she's like, what in the fresh fuck is going on? Yeah. Cause she went from she needs thinking answers. that her, yeah. Cause she's like thinking my boyfriend's dead. You stole his money to my boyfriend's alive. He has the money to no, my boyfriend is actually dead. And this guy's dragging his dead body around and he must have the money. Yeah. What in the fresh fuck is going on? Then this like whole Magilla ensues where the brother, like Vinny comes, sees what she's doing, grabs the gun. Uh, Harry and Annabelle run away. Vinny is holding the gun. 
Rita's like, look, he's got a gun. So that way he's tackled. The gun like comes out of his hands. Rita picks it back up and chases after them. They head upstairs with uncle and they like cover him up with a sheet because they're trying to hide because they hear Rita coming. Right. They like cover him up with a sheet. So he looks like one of the maid carts. Um, and lo and behold, our drunk maid friend comes out with an armful of linens and just topples them on top of uncle and then just wheels him away. Yep. <laughs> Leaving her actual cart just sitting there. Yeah. She's too drunk for this. <laughs> so She has to be though. She has to be it's for important any to of the this plot to... for any of this to make sense. Exactly. So the sibling, like um Vinny and Rita end up back in their room and Harry's like why the fuck did they go in my room? Her gun goes off. They come out and then her gun goes off again and she's like, they're there. It's like this obnoxious. <laughs> and Vinny's like, Jesus Christ, just put the gun down. And she's like, now we got to go after them. And it's so ridiculous because this entire time she's not wearing her glasses. No, completely blind. Yeah. So a chase ensues and Annabelle has a sweet moment with Harry where he's like, well, I guess you won. And she's like, I guess I did. And then she stops and is like, actually, um, because you don't have anything with him until 11 a.m. tomorrow, we have until then, and then you're still in for the money, so long as you have him by 11 a.m. So she's she could have just not said anything, but right, but she does the sweet thing this, and is like, yeah, I will help you, right? Because despite the fact that it's not in my best interest, right? They're building this really sweet rapport, and I just I love it. So Rita's running around. Vinny, like, bumps into Dominique, and they start, like, hanging out, and he ends up telling her about the money. They all end up, like, meeting in one room. Just in this, like, they're all chasing and running from each other, and it's that moment in Scooby-Doo where they all end up in the one spot. Yeah. So this entire time, they're in the stage production. There's a number here. I know. This is where we usually have him, them, it, her. It's a very, which is where the nun comes in and is just like, well, like it's such a funny line. It's so obnoxious. Don't get it here. And it makes me so sad. I wish we could have at least gotten like, cause there's a bunch of numbers that aren't in this movie. Yeah. There's a handful of them. And like most of them were missing because they're like narrative pieces. Like, like the transition pieces, right? They're the entre act or the, you know, the finale of the opening number, whatever. And they kind of frame the action and we don't really need them here. So I'm not super missing them. No, but, but I him, them, it, her is so fun. And like such a cool middle of the commotion number. Right. And I feel like even if we got a pared down version of it, it would have been great. So I'm, I agree. I'm really, that that I'm really missing there. it. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> the maid ends up picking up uncle with all of this laundry and like sends him down the chute. Yeah. And, they, Harry and Annabelle go down to where they think that shoot leads. And right. They there's think like it's an animated, shoot. yeah, there's an animated transition here where uncle's body flies down the tube thing to this garbage chute and like snags the maid in some way. Yep. And they, but they like, so they end up like falling down together, but they end up like, it looks like they're dancing and they're like kissing and they're. I, it's. I'm like, oh my god, is she making out and doing I totally with the missed dead body? all of the kissing. Oh, I clocked it because I was like, it's only like brief, like quick snips, Blech. but it's enough. Don't kiss dead bodies. 
Don't. Don't kiss dead bodies. It's not. I'm here to kink shame about it. Yep. Don't do that. We're going to go ahead and kink shame. This is not a safe space. Don't do it. (laughs)'t kiss dead bodies. Don't do it. Um, so but they think that this shoot the shoot leads to the laundry room, not to the garbage dump that they're going through. Yeah, there's like a weird transition here where like they're in the hotel room, they decide to go and look for uncle. They do the whole like chase scene and then they go to like a dumpster for like less than 30 seconds. And then back up to the hotel room. Yeah, because they're like, oh, we're never going to find him in this. And I'm like, find him. He's a whole fucking body, guys. Right. They're like digging through banana peels to try and find like a whole fucking uncle. I don't know. It's weird. I don't know either. So then then it's like a very fast transition and they're in his hotel room cleaning up. From being in a dumpster. Cleaning each other up. They like pick stuff like, out pick of their hair. Like, uh, it's really sweet. You know, whatever. Um, very, like, slow burn intimacy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Annabelle's like, no, I should go. And he's like, why don't you have some of this champagne? And she's like, I don't drink. And he's like, ah, come on. And then so she has a drink. And then, you know. He insists because it's Dom Perignon. Don Perignon. <laughs> Which just tickled me pink. <laughs> God, I was like, Don Perignon? You mean oh, yes. Dom Perignon? Nah. Don Perignon. Different brand altogether. Much fancier. You wouldn't know that. I I wouldn't. Yeah, uncultured I'm I'm swine. Just, I'm just, Hello, poor. Like, <laughs> 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 um, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> I'm crying a little. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> she ends up being like, okay, I will make a toast. And he's like, oh. I'm very curious to see what this is going to be. And we get the song Nice. I love this duet so much. It's such a sweet duet. It's essentially like, it's been nice hating you and fighting with you and running all around and just like being enemies with you. But it's such like a sweet, loving number. And it's like, oh, you were annoying. I love it. I love it. We should sing this number together I would sometime. love to sing this number with you. I love singing this. There, are, I have lots of friends that I love singing this number with just because it sits so well on so many voices. It's so lovely. Again, this whole musical is just rife with audition material, but I do adore this duet. So Probably in my top five favorite musical theater duets. I get that. It's yeah. very, it's... Mm. It's like this, Tango Maureen, the one from You're in Town, Follow Your Heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all those are in my top five for sure. This absolutely makes the cut. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden, <gasps> they making out. <laughs> oh, oh, they. Oh, they make out. Yeah. They make out. Um, and then we get like a, this pan away and then we're in a nightmare sequence, kids. I love the nightmare scene. The makeup is insane. The makeup is so cool because what they did is they took black and white makeup and they just really over exaggerated features on on the humans and then the three people that also live in the house not his landlady because she has the exaggerated features but the other three people that were in that like mini chorus for those numbers have like their faces painted so they look like bulldogs. Yeah. So the the song is titled Welcome Back Mr. Witherspoon and it's a nightmare about like what happens if 
this money, the money, right? If he doesn't find uncle, if the money doesn't happen, he has to go back to his regular life. And it's a whole nightmare scene about being back at the boarding house and like having to deal with dogs again. And like, he's really going through it. Yeah. This number should have been a tap number. I think so. If we were going to do it for a movie, this would have been the time to do it. Cause like you can feel the tap dance vibe when you listen to the song that you're like, this does, could be yeah. a tap dance number and it doesn't happen here. And it's, I don't want to say it's a lost opportunity because I think it's a great interpretation of what happens on stage. Right. But I do wish we had expanded it and added a tap number. Yeah. Cause you also get to see all of the cast of characters. There's a few more people um, to round out. Right. The Dominique is here. Vinny and Rita are in the nightmare. Like it's everybody. It's an ensemble number. Right. Uncle literally comes alive. Oogie boogie. And stands up out of the chair and like removes his glasses and like all of a sudden you like he's dancing around and yeah. Um, he shoots up in bed like he wakes up out of this nightmare. Um, and then guess who's in bed beside him? Oh, girly. They fucked. They, my note literally is, oh my God, they naked in bed. Yeah. They like did the damn thing. They fucked. And then they're Faux like, show. then all of a sudden they're like, oh my God, we fucked. How unprofessional. Oh my God. I can't believe this has happened. Oh, oh my oh God. My God. I, this, oh, how I'm much not do you remember? Oh, I never do this. Oh no. Oh. Oh. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Our, our timing. Impeccable. Um. So then they have this moment where she's like, well, I have to go. I can't be the one who monitors your your behavior anymore. I have to leave. I have to go back to Brooklyn. I'll send somebody else to take care of this. I have to go. And he's like, no, because I, I don't want anybody else bugging me. I don't want anybody else following me around. I want it to be you. And she's like, I can't. I've crossed the line. I have no fun. I never have fun. The acting here is so good. She's so talented. <clears throat> I love her and I want to see her and everything forever. Yeah, she's so good. I mean, she won a whole Tony about it. I mean, yeah, fuck. Yeah. So, <laughs> the maid brings Uncle Tony back. And when you look at his face, because they do like a close-up of his face, there's like lipstick smear all over his face. Oh, see, I missed all of this subtext. Yeah. And she is like, oh. I, s- I cleaned his linen for you. I think she says your linens have been changed. Oh, okay. the exact line. I thought she also said something about like his, like specifically his. No, she says your. Ch- okay. So anyway, um, she had some sort of something or other with this dead body. I hate that. Like, I don't know if they did it. I don't know what was what. I hate that implication. I That's gross. I really hope that they just like made out in the laundry chute and that was it. Um I don't know. But she also like goes stumbling out of the room drinking. Yeah, yeah, out of yeah. Her flask so she, yeah, again. she's like, Your linens have been changed, and then she like takes a swig of her flask and waddles out of the room. Yeah. Rita shows up and here comes lo- Rita. Here comes Rita with a gun, and she's like give me my money. And they're like, no, we don't have the money. It's probably in some bank. And she's like, no, where's the heart shaped box? Give me the heart shaped box. And then Annabelle's like, here, take it. And they both do this thing. Like Harry and Annabelle do this thing of like wanting protect, wanting to protect the other one from, yeah, yeah. from harm. Um, 
She's wearing her glasses now. That is an important thing. It's important because it's the first time she's been in the same room as, as Uncle, Uncle Tony, Tony with her with glasses, her glasses on. on. She takes the heart and then is like, I want him because she's like, this is my love. I want to make sure that he's like buried and you know, da, 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 whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then she goes and she's like, what game are you pulling? And they're like, are we, what are you talking about? And she's like, this isn't Tony because an important thing to keep in mind, kids. And I don't know if we've set it up to this point. Harry has never met his uncle, Tony. No, he'd never met him. He didn't even know he had an uncle, Tony, until this will came about. Yeah. So now, all at once, everyone's suddenly aware that the man, the dead body in the wheelchair, is in fact not Uncle Tony. Not Tony. And so she's freaking out. She's like, what have you done with him? And then he starts listing, like, the, the activities. He's like, well, we went gambling, and we went on the seaside. She's like, that's not what I'm asking. And she's like, got a gun, and she's like, freaking the fuck out. Because again, so she, so from Rita's perspective, she thinks that her boyfriend's dead, someone stole the money. Then she thinks her boyfriend's alive, and it, he's got the money. Then she finds out that he's dead, and that someone has the money. And then she finds out that she now thinks she has the money, and also the dead person that she was making out with before that was alive, that she thought was alive. Not her boyfriend. What a time. What in the fuck? And so, like, they're, like, in in the heat of this, and all of a sudden, Luigi Gouji, like, comes in and is like, I'm here! And they're like, what the fuck is this random guy that we keep bumping into here? Turns out, it's Uncle Tony. So he comes in, and he's in another disguise, and is like, it's me! And, like, starts taking off all of his (laughs) stuff, and it's like... And then Rita's like, Tony? And Harry's like, no, that's Luigi. And he's, and then the actual alive Tony is like, nah, the dead guy in the wheelchair is Luigi. And he's like, what in the fuck is going on? <laughs> so All the details begin to unravel. Right. So what we come to find out is that the real Luigi was staying at the real Tony's apartment. He had brought a woman over. He stopped a sex worker because he expressly talks about paying her. Mm-hmm. She leaves. That's the woman that Rita saw leaving when she goes in and shoots who she thinks is Tony because she's not wearing her glasses. She's not wearing her glasses. It's actually Luigi. And then she leaves the actual Tony comes home and finds Luigi dying. And he's like, Oh my God. Tony, I had this whole trip to Monte Carlo planned. Everything's paid. All of these reservations. I wanted to go. I wanted to sleep with women. I wanted to gamble. And he starts talking about all these things. And he has a cute little callback to earlier when they do Rita's confession and they sing like, you've got to go to Monte Carlo. You've got to find this man. He sings like a little callback. Um, I've got to go to Monte Carlo. And he like explains why he wants to go. So there are all these little musical motifs that kind of bounce back and forth between songs, even though each song is very like fully realized in its own right. Yes. It's again, it's just really great music. And also the opera chops on this dying oh, yeah. Luigi. His like final note before he croaks. Fantastic. He holds it for a long time. He does. <laughs> and it's a moment of comedy too, because Tony's like, aren't you dying? Why are you holding this note forever? You know, it's like, it's so the real uncle Tony is like, okay. So what I did then was I had a taxidermy friend stuff him. So that way I could 
let him live this dream trip that he wanted, even though he's dead. I had the heart removed and the heart is actually in the heart shaped box. Which Rita is holding at the moment. Right. Because (laughs) one of the instructions is to take the heart shaped box and like bury it at sea. Right. So that way a piece of him is always in Monte Carlo. Right. Very sweet. Very whatever. And in exchange, they put the diamonds, the six million bucks in diamonds where his heart had been. Exactly. So that way they would be safe. So no one was dinking around with that and finding those that weren't, wasn't supposed to find out about it. Cause all of this is later on, on the instruction tape. Yes. Knowing who I am as a person, I would have sat down and listened to the whole thing. Me too. I think every, I think at every time I'm like, why didn't you listen to the instructions? All the way through. All the way through, so you knew what was coming up, so you could, like, make plans. That's what I'm saying. Oh, my God. Uh, Couldn't be me. My type A ass? No. Not me. No. Not here. Not today. So they're they're having this conversation. Vinny and Dominique Boston, and they're both wearing maid uniform. It's just TikTok the musical at this point. It's so obnoxious. Vinny's, like, wearing this really stupid fucking hat, like, wig (laughs) hat thing, and he's, like... He's also got a gun, but it's way smaller than Rita's. And he's just like, give me the money! This movie Ah! is so cheap. But there is a point somewhere, like, right in the middle where you cross the line between, like, just really cheap, poorly done into intentional camp. And I don't don't think we start there. I don't know where the line is. I don't know either. But by the time you get to the end of this movie, you're like... It is camp, mama. It is really cheaply made, but it's still very, very entertaining. It is camp. And the cheapness of it almost serves to tell the story better. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know. It works. It really works. I don't think that if you took this story and like put money on it, that it would be good. I don't think if you gave this like like a good like Disney budget Spielberg treatment, I don't think it would improve the show. No. I think that this is right on par with where it needs to be to tell the story that's being told. And it is sort of in celebration of the off-West End origins of this. Like, this never had, like, a big, grandiose Broadway West End run. Right. So So anyway, they're there in... In all their finery, and and they demand the diamonds. They're like, give me... Give me the box! Give me the box! Because as far as Vinny is aware, the diamonds... There's six million dollars in diamonds there. The diamonds are in the heart-shaped box... And Rita's just like, You know, okay. you were right. I was wrong. Here's this box. I'll put my glasses you... on and never take them off. Here's some diamonds. Have a great day. Because uh, Vinny's like, I'm going to run away with Dominique and we're going to take this money and fuck Mary Alice, <laughs> fuck you, and fuck all this goddamn mess. And they're like, okay, you're right. Whoa, have a great day. Here, here, <laughs> have, this, here have this uh, thing. Which I'm like, dude, Rita had a gun and Luigi had a gun. It's not chill. Luigi, actual Uncle Tony. Who was but Luigi? It's, you, you oh, the know, end it's of this mess. gets so confusing it's so quickly. So it's like, okay, this was a this was a this was a short, short, uh, short sight on your a part. A short what? A, a short, short sight. Short sightedness on your part. Okay, <laughs> took us a minute, but it's, we got there. It's fine. The processing <laughs> speed. I need an update. It's casual. Anyway, <sighs> so. He runs off with Dominique with the, this heart-shaped box. Here's the last few things that happen in no particular order. Rita and Tony get together and they're like, yeah, great. We're going to take the money. We're going to go fuck off together. They have a reprise of Fancy Meeting You here. Yep. It's very sweet. Very good reprise. Um, They're both like just holding guns to each other. and then True they're like, love. It's just <laughs> ridiculous. 
So um, can I just say real quick too before we get past their the end of their plot or their their storyline? Rita should have been played by Katie Segal. I don't ever recommend stunt casting over Broadway casting, and I totally get that she had like live chops. Every time I see this movie, I'm like, that could be Katie Segal, and she would have killed this. So we get Katie on the horn. We need to redo this. Call Mrs. Um, Segal's agent. I have a recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> so perhaps a Broadway run. Hello. Let's put Katie Segal on Broadway. Yeah. In this show. Yeah. I'm here for it. Hello. They're getting wrapped up. They're going to go ahead and fuck off somewhere. Right. But then Annabelle and Harry are both like, what the fuck about us? So Tony gives Annabelle a check for 10 K for the shelter because that actually was Luigi's. The intention all along. Yeah. Yeah. And it was actually like Luigi's favorite charity. So that was real. And then he gave Harry a $500 chip to go use at the casino because that roulette trick that he learned was actually a real roulette trick that right. Tony knew. When we were at the roulette table earlier, we saw that it like really fucking worked. Yeah. So he's like, here's 500 bucks for you. You can make a fuckload more off of it based off of, you know, my roulette trick. Here's 10K for the dogs. Glad that we can get this all wrapped up. Awesome. We're out of here. So they're going to go ahead and do that. Then we see Vinny and Dominique open the box and there's an actual freaking heart in it, <laughs> which they did a very good job with an anatomically correct heart. I yeah, might, it's, it's I might add. gruesome looking. They did good. And then Dominique starts taking off a wig and breast padding and this, that, and the other thing. And we find out that Dominique all along was a drag queen, a drag queen, a drag queen. Do you, know that, do you know that reference? When RuPaul yes. was on Jimmy uh, Jimmy Fallon? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because he's a like... A drag queen! Oh, I love dra- that clip. Yeah, because Jimmy Fallon looks like he's about to shit yeah, know, his it's pants. it's so funny. Yeah. So he's like... Vinny is like, hold on a second. Because Dominique's like, I'm done. I am leaving. And he's like, what in the fuck? And then he's like... But wait, Dominique, we could still... He's unbothered. He's unbothered. I guarantee they all... That night that everybody was banging, they They also banged. They were banging. They also banged. He had the best sex of his life and then was was just like... like, You know, my dowdy wife, Mary Alice, yelled at me on the phone last time I saw her. You're pretty hot. I think we should... uh... Mm-hmm. Let's shack up in Monte Carlo forever. Unbothered by sexuality. Unbothered by gender anything. A man of the future. Way to go, Vinny. Right on. So that's where we leave them. And then we have Harry and Annabelle left. So Harry is trying to talk Annabelle into staying with him. He's like, this room is all paid for. And my uncle Tony said we could, like, I could have it. Yeah, for the rest of the time. Paid through the end of the week. And he's like, I have 500 bucks and I know how to... And my uncle's infallible system for roulette. Exactly. He's like, so I can make even more money. And they sing a reprise of It's Good to Be Alive. Mm Mm-hmm. So they, so she's like, like, no, no, no. And then she like... I couldn't possibly spend six days just enjoying myself. He's like, come on, girl. And the lyrics that we come back to are so... Thoughtful and sentimental. It's a really good reprise. They use reprises really, really effectively in this musical. Yeah, they do. So they go ahead and they go and they use one of the little boats in the harbor and they go sailing off into the sunset, making out and loving each other. And the name of the boat is Lucky Stiff. 
I love the ending of this movie. And then, like, after, after that wraps up, we get to see during credits that... Harry had moved in with Annabelle and they got more dogs. Yeah. Because he's actually fine with dogs. It turns out it's just his life was shit. And now he's knowing the unconditional love of dogs and also a woman who loves him. So I had mentioned there were voices in the ensemble here that would be names we would recognize, but like aren't characters in the film. Like they're not actors in the movie. They're just on the soundtrack. Right. One of them is Lindsay fucking Mendez. Tony award winner, Lindsay Mendez. When we say that this was for the musical theater girlies. <laughs> um, Danny Burstein is also in the chorus. Why? Cause why they, is any of this? Cause they why were fans of the show and they I wanted just, to be a part of it. So they volunteered their voices and they're in the, like the backtracking sweetener vocals. For the ensemble. So here's the deal, kids. You, if you're listening to this, you're also at least some flavor of a musical theater girly. And if you're not, I don't know how you're, I don't know how you're I don't know how you stumbled upon this. (laughs) So give this a watch. Seriously. It's. If you are a Broadway fan. Go in for the campy ridiculousness of it. The fun goof. It's very lighthearted and fun. I just. There are no serious morals. Like this is a, this is a very easy watch. It's not like it's not some kind of like groundbreaking revelation of a musical. It's just a fun night of theater. It's fun and goofy and light and I love just a really stupid dick joke. Like I just <laughs> just like stupid jokes like that to keep things light. There's yeah. a time there's a very good time and a place for education and theater wholeheartedly believe that I think it's important you can put forth and show people things absolutely. that makes them think absolutely this but do is I not also one of those think, things I think that musical theater can exist as an art form of escapism as well exactly and this yeah. is a delicious example of that and like if you really want to take a moral and lesson from it you could die tomorrow have fun like I just the moral is wear your fucking glasses Oh my God, wear your glasses, <laughs> wear your glasses. And so one of the things, the reason that she doesn't wear her glasses. It's just because like, she, it makes her feel like she's not pretty. Okay, but literally at the end, Uncle Tony, the alive one, is like, you always look like shit with your glasses on. <laughs> you literally, <laughs> he literally. Tony, he literally, this whole thing is your That's how your friend fault. got shot. Jesus Christ, this is your fault. Goddamn beauty standards. Oh my God. Well, let's rate it. Let's rate it. Okay. I Okay. So taking a look at this as like actually analytically, it's 2.5. I mean, there are some moments but I like feel as ca- a film that we maybe didn't step up to the plate when we should have. Yeah. The sound quality is like not great. Yeah. There are some logistic, yeah, hiccups. Yeah. I'm going to give it a four. Oh. Oh, wow. Sorry. Should we meet at like a, a, a three? A 3.5? I would, uh, mm, three or 3.5. So how do we make that call? I think that the things that are logistically not up to par about this film still 
serve to tell the story. That's true. That's true. Because that's it why is, they don't bother me. Because it's because it's camp. The one thing that does bother me is like the pinginess of the sound quality. Yeah. And I can't justify that as like something that helps us tell the story. I think that was just a because the movie was cheaply made. Yeah, and I well, because I also think that some of like. I know that it was supposed to kind of be cheesy, but some of some of the cartoon stuff was just it could have been it's utilized so better. Cheap. <laughs> it could have been utilized better and okay, I can I can I can rock definitely higher than what I gave it. I feel like I think I feel well like four is high. <laughs> well, because really the sound quality is the only major problem I have with it. Oh, and we're missing him, them, it, her. So I'll give it a 3.5. 3.5? I'm willing to dock a full point on that sound quality because it is pretty no- pretty noticeable and it it's not good. Yeah. And I'll give it another half a point off for missing him, them, it, her because it was the only song that we took out of the score that I really missed. Yeah. So I'll give it half a point for that. So I would say three and a half is, I think, reasonable. We can do three and a half. Three and a half it is. Shall we give her the biddy test? The BD. The Binny Drake. Pass or fail? Pass. 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 Are you kidding? I can't think of anybody, honestly, who was, like, difficult to listen to. No one. And, like, even the sweetener vocals have Tony Award winners in them. Like, oh, my God. (laughs) Like, guys. Even the, the cameos, the waiters, the lady in the elevator. Like, Broadway royalty. Yeah, when I when I say pass, that is a capital P A S S underlined three times exclamation point. Yeah, fully. Like pass. No notes. No notes. Delicious. A cookie? I yeah. I'm I'm kinda, I'm kinda hungry, I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> so the fortune cookie today I have is from the drifting drinker. That's who it's attributed to here. And the quote is, travel is the only thing you can buy that makes you richer. I love that. I know. What a lovely sentiment. And what a what an echo of this musical. And it's under, if you have to take a moral from it, is that like experiences are more important than money, stability, you know, all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. Experiences are like the most important thing we can share with each other. Experiences is how you build life. Absolutely. Life is for the living. Mm-hmm. Go out and explore it. And every once in a great while, a taxidermy dead body. I mean, everyone has hurdles. It's weird that it <laughs> happened twice. <laughs> <laughs> well, Benny, where can they find us? You guys can find us on Twitter at Backstage BDs. That's Backstage B for Benny, D for Drake, S. Instagram and TikTok at Backstage Biddies or email us at BackstageBiddies at gmail.com. If you go ahead and rate us five stars... And tell a friend and send us some sort of message about what you would like to hear next. We will add it towards the top of the list, babies. Where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Binny Biddy. And you can find me on Twitter at Binny Ann, no E. Where can they find you? You can find me on TikTok and Twitter at Drake underscore Leverance. That's Drake underscore L-E-W-E-R-E-N-Z as in zebra, Drake underscore Leverance. What a fun time. I'm so excited to continue doing birthday movies. Ew, ew, ew. Uh, I have one of my favorites picked out. I have something to, tra- to tra- transition us blah, 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 from Halloween to Christmas. 
I have uh, one of our favorites with our bestie. We've got a, a surprise guest coming up. A surprise guest whose birthday is also in November. Oh, it's going to be a birthday bash, baby. Extravaganza. You better bring me cake. I literally have cupcakes. Oh right my there. God, you How? knew it ah! was happening. Uh, well, then we have to go eat cupcakes. All right. Bye. Bye. Everybody in the cast has some like live stage, like, oh, experience. What just happened to your brain? I it went away. Dear Lord. Stage experience.